This is a Strategist, episode 1256. My name is Zane Belger. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, what is going on? It is kind of as always. Yeah. I guess that's the first thing I'd say. Like, where's Annalise? Well, hey. you know, who we have joined today is, is Taylor Swift has joined us. Okay. That is going to bring so many eyeballs to the podcast, Carter. <laughs> People are going to yeah, be staring no, I mean, at the podcast. I'm excited about it, as you can tell from my excitement level. Uh, she's she's dating one of the three of us on the podcast. I'm not going to tell you which. <laughs> <laughs> Works for me. Good. It's good. Yeah. Is that, the, is the that trick a cul de sac is, that no one wanted to no, come right out That's good. That's it's good. Fantastic. You got to time it with the, uh, you know, the album releases so that you get like the just in love song not the breakup song yeah. when are we doing our eras tour carter we've talked about a live show for a while but i think we should call it the eras tour in fact we should purchase eraschour.ca yeah if it already isn't taken here's the problem it's taken. um <laughs> i was supposed to, i was supposed to as you guys know uh yes carter book the venue and uh okay. i haven't i haven't done that oh that's um, fine except for that the yeah, live show is ready to go are there any stadiums available? We should try for a stadium this time. Even if we only get a couple hundred people, I would prefer a stadium as part of the, the Eras tour well, Heather that we will I, be doing. Heather and I went and saw Serena Ryder on Friday night at the Jubilee yeah. Auditorium. Too small. Too small. Um, and I thought to <laughs> myself, small. you know yeah. what? This feels like a strategist place. And then I looked around and I thought, nah, too small for sure. Too small indeed. Yeah. Uh, Corey, any any thoughts? Uh, is Travis Kelsey on your fantasy football team, and uh, or is Nick Bosa on your fantasy football team? Because I feel and like either is is yeah. on yeah. my uh, fantasy football team. But uh, good convo, Shane. <laughs> am I pronouncing the the running back for Miami who came oh, out yeah. of nowhere, dude? Small guy, insane. yeah, yeah. Two TDs, he is. first quarter, oh, first half. I, I picked him up in like the ninth round. The ninth Great. round, geez, he's doing really well That's for amazing. me. Did I tell you, Carter? I got to see Tua play when he was with Alabama. That was pretty Ooh. impressive. Didn't we all? Oh, that is good. I mean, didn't we all, you <laughs> know, true. line we up all, we all that one. <laughs> Roll Tide, Carter. Yeah, roll Corey Tide. Corey Knight football knowledge is just, Woo. is far superior. Hey, um, AFL championships this weekend. Collingwood pulled it off over my Brisbane Lions. I'm still a pretty upset guy. So I know you're an upset guy. Yeah. yeah. This is generally your vibe. What I don't think setback. the result is, what has any relationship to it. Um. Corey, anything else we want to talk about, or should we get into it? We've got a lot to talk about. I think we just get into it. Let's just get into it. Carter, we're doing it. Our first segment, Coast to Coast Strategy Session. That is right, Carter. We do this once in a while. Hold we on. travel coast to coast. Do we need to uh, know we'll, more than just Alberta? Oh, you do, Carter. Well, now, we, we just, will start with Alberta because BC is not a real browser. place. Hang on a second. Yeah, okay. Your okay. browser, yes. I'm ready to go. Now, Carter, as I mentioned, we will be starting in Alberta because BC is not a real place. Yeah. Uh, and we've acknowledged that uh, on the podcast. It's it's a long-held uh, belief on the podcast that BC is not real. Uh, BC, however, is united, but not real. Um, Carter, we're going to start with Alberta, and then we're going to move across the, the, the country. We might skip a few provinces in between, as we are known to do so, uh, either because I want to or your collective limitations of knowledge, either or, sure. will dictate which provinces we skip. But we'll start here in Alberta. Carter. We've got a new campaign by our provincial government. Tell the feds, Carter. Oh. Are you going to tell them? Yes. Tell the Let's feds. talk about this campaign. Yeah. This yes, a new campaign put on by our, our government here uh, about the the net zero conversation. Well, Corey, is that Put on by our government, but not just here, running ads across the country. Yeah. yeah. Well, in fact, I should say, I've sent you guys pictures of this. I was in Ottawa this week, and the day this campaign got announced, I saw the the truck that was traveling around Wellington with the uh, 
billboard, the virtual billboard that tell that told mm-hmm. me to tell the feds. Uh, sponsored by the government of Alberta, very clearly marked on that on that truck. Can I so just Corey, say how proud yeah, I am? Because I'm I'm pretty certain I started that tactic yeah, thanks with the lot, Alberta but, government. Yeah, yeah, thanks We've done a lot, that a few times. It's a stupid we tactic. Did, I think it's really dumb. Uh, but we did uh, that for NDP market access. We did that for uh, the UCP market access, and I guess they're still using it. I guess they really like it. You want to know my favorite thing about that? Oh, if it's the same truck, the truck has to drive from Montreal two hours away in order to go to uh, to uh, Parliament Hill. That's a great story. And just man. idle that's, around. That's a, a great long story. trip to tell the feds. Yeah. That's a well, really I'm good story. I'm just saying, like... Uh, I'm assuming it's a gas guzzler. <laughs> I'm assuming to make its point, yeah. it is not going to be plugged in anywhere, uh, especially the zeitgeist. Pretty that's good, fair. Good joke. Good yeah. Joke, Zane. Yeah. Yeah, using German words. Hey, Car- okay. Here's what I want to do. As we go province to province, I'm going to ask you guys two simple questions. Do you see the strategy, and is the strategy any good? Okay, we're going to keep it simple. We usually do when we go okay, coast to coast. Yeah. So, Carter, we've got this campaign here in Alberta. Help me understand it. Do you see the strategy of it? It's an eight million dollar campaign to tell the feds it could be the first implementation of the Sovereignty Act. Uh, the things Canadians count on won't work when needed. Let's stop blackouts. We can't afford them. Do you see the strategy of this eight million dollar pan Canadian campaign? And is it a good strategy? Those are the two questions. Start with the first one for me. I'll go to Corey, and then you guys can tell me if it's good or not um, based on if you understand what the strategy is. Well, I mean, first of all, if all it took was introducing the Sovereignty Act and in some fashion carving out some sort of new rules for Alberta, then we wouldn't need to run a national campaign, right? Because we wouldn't have to tell the feds anything because all we'd have to do is is implement this, the Sovereignty Act, and away we go, right? So um, the strategy of advertising across the country saying, tell the feds that we don't, you know, want uh, cleaner air, uh, we want dirty air, um, that strategy wouldn't be required if the Sovereignty Act actually did what Danielle Smith has advertised that it does. So it kind of undermines the Sovereignty Act strategy. But so from that point of view, you know, it's not a great strategy. I also think it's a bit problematic going across the country and telling people who rely, uh, you know, less on coal and more on uh, nuclear or more on uh, hydro, that in some fashion, this is going to impact all provinces equally. Uh, I could see running this campaign in Saskatchewan. Um, Ontario uses some coal, maybe Ontario too. But, you know, when... No, no coal, Corey? Uh, no, not really. Not the same way, right? You're not entirely wrong. I I, I was going to have the same point. I might as well interject because you're fumbling facts. Oh, and also that's you very said hurtful. nuclear instead of nuclear. No, I'm, I, and, I do uh, it the George Bush way. No, yeah, yeah okay. it's, it's an yeah, homage to yeah, moderate okay. Republicans. I mean, the, uh, like this whole podcast. Yeah. Ontario's actual energy use, like when you, there's obviously, there's overall production, there's inner ties, there's all that crap, but their actual use is about 9% gas. So I kind of had the same thought, Stephen. It's, it's like, if you're an Ontarian and you're not really seized with the need to kind of have certain supply on hand for times of peak demand, which is largely the value of gas, like... Aren't you going to kind of look at this and be like, well, we don't really use gas, yeah. so we don't really care. You know, that, that was my first reaction to it. So, so Carter, can I, can I add some clarity to your point? Do you see the strategy, right? This is, this is supposed no. to be our campaign to fight against the timeline of 2035 for the federal government's net zero electricity system. It's, it's their plans are under this, the clean energy regulations. 
Do you don't see the strategy, Corey? Can I get you on that same question? Hold on, Corey, and you can then tell me. You can tell me why it's bad. You can, I, go ahead in a second, Corey. I, do you yeah, see the strategy of of this? You do for sure, absolutely. L- lay it on me. Expand on that. Okay, you didn't let him expand, so I wasn't sure if you were going to let me. No, expand. no, no. I, I, I want you. I, I, I had Carter giving me a bunch of preamble. I want to get true. your. I want to get your yes. Give, yeah, give me, me get, why you. Let me give you my postamble. I, I do think it, I see the strategy, but it's pretty clear that the strategy is not actually to change minds in Ontario. It's not actually to put pressure on the federal government. It's to say to Albertans. We're advertising in Ontario. We're taking the fight to them. We're not on the defensive. We're on the offensive. Here we are now with our campaign uh, in downtown Ottawa. We, we uh, Zane Velji, known political commentator Zane Velji, even saw it when he was in Ottawa. This uh, thing driving around, and and that is not necessarily um, a bad strategy. I just don't think it's going to be effective at changing the policy. It's. It's a continuation of the fight with Ottawa, but it's not a way to win the fight. Um, but I'm not sure that's the point. Carter, Corey sees it as a strategy for, for us here in Alberta. Do you agree with that? You said you don't see the strategy play. Well, I mean, I, I agree with what Corey has said. I mean, I think that this is not in any way, shape, or form designed to change anybody's mind in Alberta. Uh, or, 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 I'm sorry, in well, even in Alberta. This is this is about reinforcing a narrative to the existing base that that uh, Danielle continues to communicate with. This isn't actually about changing the hearts and minds of the good people of Ontario or or any other market. This is about Danielle Smith being able to basically say this is what she's trying to do, um, but it's not going to change anything. And I think that that's where the strategy falls apart for me. Um, the tactic is whatever. I mean. Tactically, we, we decided the to buy ads, whatever. Yeah. But the, 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 the strategy should be to actually put some pressure on the federal government to change their, their outcome otherwise, or their, their plan. Otherwise, it's rather hollow. And I, and I think that it's going to, I don't know that it necessarily backfires, but I think that it is relatively hollow. Corey, you see the strategy. You say it's not going to be particularly effective. Tell, tell me why, expand a bit more on like why you don't think it's going to be particularly effective. Well, so I think it will be effective in Alberta. I don't think it will be effective at changing mm. the federal government's position or the minds of Ontarians at it. Because anytime you do one of these advocacy campaigns, and we've had this conversation on this pod before, there is the risk on the other side. Like if you go out and everybody knows you spent a ton of money in Ontario and everybody knows you're blasting ads everywhere and nobody is using that form to quote unquote tell the feds jack shit, you've really <laughs> kind of exposed yourself as being a total non-force and your argument being a total non-force in the good province of Ontario. So, you know, that's something that then the the federal liberals will look at and probably even to a degree the federal conservatives and say, well, I'm going to have to take note of that. So there's always a risk of backfire with an advocacy campaign. And again, we've made this point before, but it's really worth underlining. And the more money you put into it, and the less you get out of it, the bigger the backfire. And when you're a provincial government spending literal millions, if not tens of millions, if you're not getting outcomes you're really putting yourself on the line. Well, we know they're spending millions of dollars. In fact, I believe it was announced at the press conference or on background that it was nearly a $10 million campaign with the ad spend that they're... Which is not huge nationally. I just yeah, want t- to say... Yeah, tell me, tell me, actually, that's a helpful point, Corey. Tell me what 8 to 10 can do nationally. Like, like, give, give me, like, no, not what can it do, but give it to me in, like, you say it's not huge. Yeah. Is it, like, is it mid-tier? Like, give, give us a sense of this. I mean, it's, it's not small, but mm-hmm. <laughs> let me put it in this context. Like, a, a pretty medium-sized campaign in the province of Alberta 
would probably be one, two, or three million dollars. I'd say one for would us, be like mean, for us, it, like yeah, for us. When you're the government, because you're trying to talk to everybody, so you've got very broad demographics you're yeah. trying to knock. You've mm-hmm, you've mm-hmm. got to hit a ton of markets, right? And so the very lazy and very inaccurate shorthand I often used when I thought about these things was be like, well, okay, well, if like a two million dollars an average campaign. That campaign blown up to the entire nation would be about twenty million, but that's not even true because markets like Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, quite expensive, uh, and that they incur additional costs. Going bilingual that incurs a lot of cost in creative, as you have to start managing all sorts of additional properties that are going along there. And I actually didn't catch if Tell the Feds had a had a French version. I'm not sure that I've seen that no, it I, does. I don't. I, I don't see, see it tell yet. The it might. Website. Tell the oh, feeds. tell the feeds. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great Somebody website. just did a bad French accent, yeah. right? Um, Very we'll Alberta of to, them. But. We'll have to explain what the hell we're talking about in a second on that one. But yeah, anyhow, the reality is it, it like it would be noticeable, but not massively noticeable at those spend points, assuming that you're not also in the good province of Quebec. It depends on where they're focusing it. I suspect they're probably focusing it more heavily in Ottawa. We would often, for these campaigns in Alberta, when I ran communications, talk about doing a bit of an Ottawa overspend, right? To make mm-hmm, sure we were mm-hmm. part of the national conversation, also as part of an earned strategy. I suspect that that truck is not traveling in every major city oh, across Canada. I'm sure right? it's as not. I mean, it's not in Montreal because it had to drive from Montreal <laughs> to, to be there's, there's only one. There's only one that uh, Corey, Corey Park. <laughs> no, I don't know if it's the, the same one anymore. But uh, the... Uh, um, the, the reality is uh, you're going to play with the dials in a lot of different ways and you're going to play with them in particular when you're trying to get people to think that it's very big in, um, you know, in, in certain markets. So the question is not, did the, did the government spend seven and a half million? I think it was seven and a half million. Okay. The yeah, statistical yeah. Sure, side, sure, sure, right? sure. The question for me, the follow-up question, the essential follow-up question is break that down to me for me by province, yeah. because I suspect... I suspect if you did, you'd see like three or four million in Alberta, a couple million in Ontario, mm. maybe a million in BC, and that's about it. Maybe in in Saskatchewan too. Uh, but I would be very curious about that because the well, other thing you should watch out for, and this is the last thing I'll say before I hand you back the mic here, Zane. Yeah. It's pretty easy to make a provincial campaign with absurd levels of spending look more reasonable if you just branded a national campaign. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, like I talked about, two to three million dollars being, you know, a pretty fair size campaign in the province of Alberta. I'm talking over months here. I'm not saying like you're going to blow that money in three weeks or something like that. Um, if you want to spend eight million dollars instead, and you don't want people to say, "Have you lost your fucking mind?" Then you say, "We've got a ten million dollar national campaign," and mm-hmm. people kind of do the rough math and say, "Well, it's a national campaign. Sort of makes sense." You got to watch out for that stuff if you're an outside observer. Carter, can I come to you? Actually, you know what? Get me started on this. I want to ask both of you this question, which is uh, dovetailing off of Corey's um, audience and targeting um, sort of uh, question. If you were trying to be the most persuasive to the audience that this website is is intended for, as described, right? Maybe not the sub-strategy of this is actually just for the Albertan crowd, but for the feds, is there a specific target like that you would look at? Like, would you just be like, well, let me throw a suggestion out there. Let's just heavily target swing ridings, for example, where the next election is going to be fought and tell the feds truly that those voters that they need are actually 
on our side on this issue? How would you kind of look at something like like targeting? And Corey, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I know you said I'd be curious to know, but I'm curious if you were designing it, how you'd structure it with the with the goal that we are presented, though we know that may be a secondary goal. Carter, your thoughts yeah, I mean, on this? If, if you were really trying to, I mean, if this was a private corporation doing this, where they wanted to change people's minds, you would absolutely start with swing, swing ridings. And Especially because this is designed to be an advocacy campaign. It is designed to cause people to interact with the government. That is the, the, you know, the goal of it. Um, so therefore, one imagines that you're trying to get, if, if what you're saying is true, you want people to change the minds of the federal government, um, there's only certain places where that actually even matters. Right? You're not going to necessarily care if you change the people's minds in Alberta. I mean, it's not like Alberta, Alberta sending, you know, hundred, you know, dozens of, of MPs to, to Ottawa, um, under the liberal banner, we're sending all of our, most of our MPs under the conservative banner. So what, it's not going to matter that if the conservatives are getting more upset. Um, and so, you know, absolutely. You'd be targeting places like uh, the 905, uh, the places where you've seen swing. You'd be targeting the lower mainland of British Columbia. Um, the problem is that a large number of those swing ridings are going to be really tricky to actually make any moves in, right? Like it's it's mm. not going to be like the lower mainland of British Columbia. We've been in the lower mainland of British Columbia. We've tried to change people's minds about different, different you know, Alberta-centric ideas. And it turns out, they're a little different than we are in Alberta. They, they value different things. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure tell the feds is going to be a super successful uh, tagline. And I think that Corey's point that of watching out for the backfire effect, or not the backfire effect, but a backfire uh, effect by the feds saying, oh, you targeted my swing ridings and you made exactly zero impact. I guess I don't need to worry about you then. To your point, perhaps even more revelatory to Corey's yeah. earlier point around like the the lack of impact that that a targeted spend could have. Corey, say, same thoughts for you. Where, where would you target uh, based on the stated goal? Well, let's just build on Carter's point first. I would not target downtown Ottawa, right? Which tells us exactly that this is a statement. This is a statement that's part of an earned campaign, and it's a statement that I think was developed not for the people of Canada, but for the people of Alberta more specifically. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, if I was doing this and trying to change minds, and it's not super glamorous, but it's just the hard work of advocacy, I would be focused in the areas where minds could be most changed. And if you wanted to layer on that additional bit that Stephen was talking about of the swing ridings, I would do that too. Now, it gets us into an interesting ethical quandary as to whether provinces should be targeting federal ridings. I'm, and glad, I'm glad you're talking about that. I got more thoughts next. on that. I got a big thing I want to say on that before we get out of this segment. Uh, do it now. Do it now. I was no, going to go there anyway. Do it now. It's it's a little bit of a tangent. So let's just let's just finish the, you know. Don't do it now. It's probably not a great time, Corey. <laughs> I think now would be probably the, the right worst time. time. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, no, no. It's right. It's not yeah, we got to hold off on that we'll, and, and come back to it at some later date. Like we always really, promise I mean, to in a different sure. podcast. For sure. Yeah. You know yeah, what we'll we should do? We should do an entire episode I'll on that. Yeah. I'll probably forget yeah. after this. Which is why, which uh, this this entire thing is. You know what, Zane? I'm just going to say it now. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I think that was a great time. I feel yeah, like now, you know like what? after that. I, I don't know why you're fighting well, me on this. I'm just going to say it now. Really good right now. Okay. I feel like it's good. Go ahead. Ottawa needs to change the third party advertising rules right fucking now to include the provinces. So there is a thing about drafting federal legislation, which is that it doesn't inherently include provinces like provinces aren't inherently subject to it unless it specifically says 
this includes the provinces. Like that's all that it needs to add to change this. But this is a loophole. This is a known loophole. This is a loophole we haven't seen people make heavy use of, but there is serious reason to be concerned that you're going to have provincial governments fucking about in the next federal election. If you do not make this change during the writ, Mm -hmm. if you do not make this change right now, Without this is, spending this is limits, serious to be clear, as cancer, right? guys. Yeah, no spending limits. Without limit. spending limits. They yeah. could spend millions of dollars in swing ridings in different jurisdictions, not even in their own province. Watch out for this one. And there's make this change th- now. It's a, it's a really interesting tangent. Carter, I want to get your thoughts on this. And I'll just add on top of it in, in, in a more basic way, Corey, which is I'm not sure how many folks fully appreciate different orders of government spending a lot of time to figure out how they lobby other orders of government. Like, I was recently surprised and and perhaps even naive to the fact that municipalities have significant resources they spend on hiring government relations shops and lobbyists of their oh, own, yeah, right? Man. Like to, to convince both the feds and, and in, in this particular case, this example I was, I'm going to present, I, I won't kind of reveal it, but what the file was, but the province, like, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to hire several people to lobby the province uh, hired by a, a municipality. And I don't think folks fully appreciate the the intergovernmental yeah, lobbying work that, I, that I happens. I mean, there's the, the entire mush sector, as we call it, is full of lobbyists lobbying the governments that, that fund them, right? Mm-hmm, like it's, mm-hmm, it's a massive... Using, using massive, the money, yeah. yeah, yeah like the, using the, the money they receive. Using yeah. the money they receive. Carter, you, your thoughts on this, like, you know, you've got a lot of thoughts on, on, on TPA's third-party but, advertising, yeah. as well as kind of multi-order um, lobbying and such. So give me your thoughts on this. Good point, though, Corey. I like You it. take a group of people... You know, so there's a group of people, political parties are one of those groups of people, and you have now tied their hands because the rules and regulations are very clear that you cannot um, spend over a certain amount during a writ period, but you haven't tied other people's hands. And in this particular case, the other people's hands are the provinces. Um, but because you haven't tied their hands, they can do whatever they want. And and there's this, you, you guys, and, we, and they can we were going collude and collaborate. Right. So you could have three or four provinces say, let's each kick in 25 million bucks. I'm just throwing in a random number. $100 million 28 day writ campaign overpowers anything else that's been on the field or that is on the field from any of the parties total. Well, and, and you know, we're, we're asking this question. Um, you know, we're asking this question about. Uh, you know, is it ethical? Is it ethical to do this? And and one could make the case that this, you know, if if the loophole exists, then then to, then you must use the loophole, right? You you must do what is in the best interest, or what you as a government believe to be in the best interest of your province. That's that's how you get ahead. That's how we make sure that you're taking care of the best interests of your province. So you must, in some fashion, do this. It, it is a um, it is an incentive that has been created that's going to have some sort of perverse outcome um, because we have decided to try and regulate, you know, regulate pieces of elections without understanding how it all fits together and maybe thinking, well, the provinces would never would never try and lobby, except everywhere you look, there are provinces lobbying the federal government. Everywhere you look, there are municipalities lobbying the federal government. Uh, there are, yeah, sure. you know, there are rules against uh, municipalities participating in provincial elections. You know, I don't think necessarily those same rules exist at the federal level. So they simply so, don't. You know, all of a sudden, City of Calgary wants more of that uh, housing money, right? City of Calgary goes and, and places ads 
uh, in swing ridings about how important housing money is. You know, everything can be manipulated. And in some fashion, it it is incumbent. Like, I always believe very strongly that I must follow the rules. But it is in partly in my job to find out where the limit of the rules are. Because those limits are where you gain, where you get gains. So if you're the municipality and you're listening to this, or you're the province and you're listening to this, and you really believe that it is your citizens' best interest, that in some fashion you must actually push to get to the edge of the uh, to the edge of the rules. And Carter, you've you've been a long held proponent of not unilaterally just falling on your sword or being like, I'm not going to do this because you know. Sure. It's it's ethically not not sort of something I would do versus like someone else could take advantage of it sort of thing. Corey, your thoughts on this? And then I actually, I mean, with twenty one minutes, we're gonna we're barely gonna leave this uh, this 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 uh, cross country tour is barely gonna leave. Um, which of course it's unsurprising because it's brought to us by Flair Airlines. Uh, but but Corey, we we saw that one coming from a mile away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Corey, your thoughts here just on the baseline. You you said I've got thoughts on the ethicality of of this right like and when what the fed should do right now as it stands this form 7.5 million largely dedicated to a campaign advocating to the federal government do you have any ethical issues with how the campaign is structured as it stands right now listen i um i've been in my employment deeply involved in campaigns like this for Mm -hmm. the province of alberta i've done Mm -hmm. it i did it for years we this is a thing alberta got pretty used to doing right let's run some ads in british columbia about trans mountain let's run some ads in in ottawa about the the value of the energy industry and let's run some ads now to tell the feds about the electricity energy this this is something that the governments like to do for a variety of reasons I, i would say that I feel the NDP were more about trying to change the minds of people across Canada. I feel that the UCP ones were maybe more about showing Albertans that there was some fight in them. Mm. That's just, you know, that's that's just my kind of opinion that that's not stated by either party there. Um, but it's clearly just a thing we do in Alberta now. And the problem with it is we put a lot of money into it. And I, we really got a question... We as a country now, we talk about Canada, whether we think it's a good idea if provinces can kind of spend money unregulated in other provinces to lobby them on policy changes. You know, in some ways, this campaign by uh, uh, by the UCP targeted or the government of Alberta targeted towards the federal government is is almost a little more defensible than some of them, because at least it's like an order of government that kind of layers on top. Sometimes we just go right into the backyard and we say, this is how we think as a province, this is what you should do, right? And so, you know, again, I'd be a hypocrite, but I'm not comfortable with it. I I think that this has gone a little far. And so provinces and the federal government need to tighten up the regulations around political money to include other governments. Uh, We obviously wouldn't let the government of uh, China interfere in Canada. I don't think we should let the government of Alberta interfere in Saskatchewan. We should just say that's kind of not our business. That's why they elect a government. And we have other mechanisms to make our concerns known. I'm not saying there's an equivalency between China and Alberta before anybody asks me on that. But there is a broader principle about not interfering in other people's elections. Carter, your, your final thoughts on this as we wrap up and move on to the neighboring province of Saskatchewan. I I just say I, I'm going to finish with my opening thought, which is 
I don't believe this is actually designed to change anybody's mind uh, and to really lobby the government. I think this is designed to increase the popularity of this particular government within its core, core audience group. Let's move to Saskatchewan. Corey, Premier Scott Moe says he will use the notwithstanding clause to move forward on the pronoun policy requiring young students to obtain parental consent to change names or pronouns. He's not apologizing for potentially calling back the legislature to use this particular policy. Same two questions. I'm going to run that thread across the country. Do you see the strategy? And is it a, is it a good one? Corey, start answering both those questions from your perspective. Well, yeah, I mean, it'd be hard not to see the strategy because it's a strategy that's now been applied and employed by all sorts of uh, leaders across this country, right? Uh, most notoriously, we've got Higgs in New Brunswick, mm-hmm. who's decided maybe even go to an election on this, right? And Potentially as early as next week, yeah, from what yeah. the rumors are. And, yeah. and the reality is, these things may poll more popularly than, uh, than they should. You know, when you when you start thinking about it, and when you read the court decision in Saskatchewan that triggered this, it, it's pretty damning on the government because it just makes clear there's like absolutely no reason for the government to do this. Like all of the government's stated policy objections are are bullshit, right? Like it's just it's nonsense. And I'm going to do a very poor version of summarizing it slash you know, morphing it with my own views on this. But you, the the idea that you wouldn't tell your parents what your preferred pronouns are is because you don't feel safe telling your parents for whatever reason. And so the very people who this is likely to apply to are the people who most desperately need the protection. And it's everybody else who's going to get caught. Like who's actually getting caught up in this. If you're in a loving environment, supporting environment, one where you can talk to your parents, your parents might disagree, but at least you're going to have that disagreement Mm -hmm, with them. mm -hmm. Then they're already going to know right? They're going to know. It, it's the people who are like keeping it so deep undercover, so buttoned up, that it's like, I can't tell my dad, I can't tell my mom because they'll lose their minds, it could get violent, could get ugly, whatever it is, right? Those are the people that need the protection. And now to come in and say, you, you specifically, this group, because we're not talking about everybody else, right? Because everybody else, that's a different thing. That group, well, we need to get the parents involved in this. I just think, holy fuck, right? Like, what is this all about? And so when we were talking about this originally with Higgs, the point I I made, and I feel less sure of now, but I still hope to be the case, is that under the scrutiny of an election, as these conversations sort of unfold, this is a policy that at first feels like it's about parental rights and your rights as a parent, but very quickly you can sort of understand there are actually very serious reasons why you don't want to use notwithstanding clauses in this way, why you don't want regulations constructed in this way. And so, uh, you know, hopefully as that conversation unfolds, it will, um, it will get to the result that protects the most children, which is one that affords teachers the ability to make these discretionary calls. But I don't know. Uh, there is some optimism in me based even in uh, some polling on culture wars in the United States where they're a little ahead. People are pretty fatigued. It's not looking like a winner for the Republicans right now in a lot of jurisdictions. I- I'm hoping the same calculus comes here faster. Carter, same question to you. Do you see the strategy? And effectively, there's two strategies here if you want to parse it out, right? You talk about the wedge issue that Corey mentioned. Also, the 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 now more common use of the notwithstanding clause as it, it grows across the province. Do you see the strategy? And, and what are your thoughts on it? From a political calculus, do you see the merits of, of what 
Mo is trying to do in Saskatchewan? Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't see a strategy. I mean, I, I guess that there's this this idea that parents have a certain right set. And, and that's interesting because um, I, I'm not sure that we do. I mean, and as parents, do we have a right to know everything that our children are doing? Not necessarily. That's not really what our job is. We have a responsibility as parents. Um, and I sometimes think that we get our the word responsibility mixed up with the, the word rights. And it is our responsibility to parent our children safely. And, and a lot of us think that we can, and, and we don't really understand what it looks like in other places, what it looks like in someone else's house, what it looks like with someone else's value set, right? Most of us, I don't think, can imagine abusing our children, right? We're, most of us can't see that, right? We, we don't see how a person could abuse their children, but it exists all over the place, right? And the balance is already tricky enough. It is tricky enough balancing parental rights, you know, real parental rights, which is to hold your children, to keep your children in your household. That is your parental mm -hmm. right. With the right of the child. We do that all the time. We remove children all the time from situations that are dangerous. It is not your right to keep your child under every circumstance. If you put that child in danger, it, it, the state steps in and removes that child. That is not So we already have limit on parental rights. And if these children don't feel comfortable talking to you, it's because they feel like that second right is going gonna, is gonna to trump them and keep them in a dangerous situation. Now, you may be saying we have no evidence that this is actually the case, but we do. We have tremendous evidence that the... the that L LGBTQ children, when their ch when their parents find out that they're LGBTQ, kick them the fuck out of their house. They exercise the right to kick the children out of their house or force them to leave through other means. The largest percentage of our homeless youth identifies LGBTQ. Right? We can't continue to allow this to happen. And Scott Moe is saying, you know what we're going to do? We're going to force these children to live with these parents or we're going to allow these parents to kick them out onto the street and create a bigger homeless problem. Scott Moe is playing with a notwithstanding cause in order to put people's lives at risk because he doesn't know what the difference is between a responsibility and a right. And it's happening with Blaine Higgs. It's going to happen. And here's the prediction, kids. If Danielle Smith wants to stay premier of, of the province of Alberta, when David Parker takes over her little board, she's going to be bringing one of these things in the winter too. So you just wait because it's coming here. It's, it's going across the country and it, it, as a perversion of parental rights. Corey, I want to, I want to get to you. Can, can you give me one sec to follow up with Carter? I have to follow up on that last point, yeah. Carter. I, I'm going to try to say this in the, in the way that, let me just say it. Are you surprised it isn't here yet already? Knowing, knowing Alberta's reputation, knowing that in many cases, this could be the hotbed of where something like this started. Or could have started. Are you surprised it's not here already? No, because we we were podcasting during the Bill Ten. It was a Bill Ten, Bill Eleven, Bill Nine, whatever the debacle was. was bill Ten. Yeah. When when Jim Prentice tried to curtail GSAs. That was Bill Ten. Uh, and all of a sudden, everybody rose up and said, "This is not going to happen in our province." Because it turns out our province isn't the redneck, isn't the redneck conservative that people think we are. Uh, we have tremendous tolerance. For others, we allow others to do to to be who they are, and, and you know what the the amazing thing is, Danielle Smith is that person too. Danielle Smith doesn't have a bigoted bone in her body, 
but she will be forced to bring this if she's going to be able to remain premier. And that's that's one of the unbelievable things uh, that's going to happen here in the province of Alberta. This is a contagion, and this is an illness that's been brought by by conservatives, thinking in some fashion they need to bring this forward to protect children when really all they're doing is putting children at risk. Corey, this is a tough topic to talk about, and I, and I think all three of us are on the same page as it relates to the analysis, and I, I really appreciated the analysis both of you have put on the table um, about this situation and the hopes that we have for how it evolves. That being said, as we dissect the strategy, it seems like this is one of those rare social conservative, if I can put that in, in quotes, policies that seems to have more public backing based on the current frame that is being applied across the country. Talk to me about how you ingest that and, 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 and answer my second question of whether this is a good strategy for someone like Scott Moe, or even let me extend it, someone like Blaine Higgs who might run an election or at least kick off an election on the back of this. Well, I'm not really sure why Scott Moe is in such a burn on to do this politically, right? Yeah, like, yeah. To me, I don't, I don't actually see the great catalyst or the great impetus. And it seems to me if I, if I were Scott Moe, and I, I had the worldviews of Scott Moe, I would, and, but like the political instincts of, of somebody, I would probably say, let's see how this works out for Higgs first, before I go all in on a strategy like this. Like, mm-hmm. like what, why am I doing this now? What, what is the point of that? And maybe there's something going on in Saskatchewan politics, I'm just not tracking close enough that would explain that or answer that question for me. But it does seem like you could just wait probably six weeks and have an answer to that question and understand whether that popularity has any kind of durability at all. Um, it it really does seem like distraction politics. It, it, it seems like the kind of thing that is so deeply consequential to the affected kids, but so not consequential to everybody else who should just butt out or, or not worry about it so much. And I, I mean, I loved your analysis, Carter, between like rights and responsibilities. Because I think that that's the kind of nuance that exists in reality, right? There's there's rights and responsibilities and other people's rights and responsibilities, and none of them are absolute. And, you know, the right that our children have to exist and be who they are does sometimes get into conflict with societal rights, parental rights, all sorts of rights. And tough calls got to be made and judgment needs to be applied. And when the government comes in with like blunt, stupid instrument like the notwithstanding clause and says, screw all that, here's a universal rule for this particular situation, it makes me want to lose my mind. Like, like this is government at its worst. It, this is taking a nuclear weapon to get rid of an ant infestation in, in your backyard. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to use that language to kind of diminish you or demean the issue. It's a very important issue. I sort of mean in terms of government's policy responses here. Mm-hmm. Like there's something, you can go in, and sort of address like specific challenges and concerns you have, or you can just level the whole fucking city. And they seem to be going with level the whole fucking city. It's crazy. Carter, talk to me about this. This overcompensation, this this sort of um, disproportionate response, this level of moving so quickly, calling the legislature back October 10th. To Corey's point, you could have waited six weeks to see how Higgs responds. Why the urge, the, the desire to be a leader on this particular file? Uh, on something so so divisive. What, what do you kind of see, like, do you see, this is where I kind of like, do you see the dotted lines to the per- political strategy here and the upside here? Talk to me about I this. mean, traditionally, there has been fantastic upside for attacking a small group. Um, there is upside for going after a small group and, and 
taking them down. Uh, it's just really, really unbelievable that the small group that Scott Moe is trying to go after, and let's be clear, it's a small group, right? Like it is a very tiny group. It is a very tiny group of very young people who have no power in this situation, who are being targeted. And it appears, um, you know, without really putting it to a test, it appears that it's, it's an easy group to attack, right? Like that parents will buy into this idea that if you say the words parents' rights, then, you know, parents will go, yeah, fuck, that's right. I do have the right to know what my children are doing. Um, they believe that. I mean, it, parent activism in schools has never been at a higher level. Um, but, you know, just because you say that doesn't make it so. And attacking a group like this, um, you know, if the population, and this is what happens with Bill 10, right? If the population suddenly comes to see what is happening, the rallying power of it, the rallying attack um, could be devastating for a political party uh, for quite some time. It sticks to you. And so I would expect that if if Mo starts to get pushback, um, that pushback could last for a very long time and be very, very challenging for him in the future, which is good because that's what happened to Jim Prentice. And uh, that stink didn't come off. I actually want to talk about that last point, Carter, around the lingering of, of, of a political move in a second as we move to Manitoba. But, Corey, let's finish off this segment um, about Saskatchewan and the notwithstanding clause on this. It seems like the argument that Carter's mentioned around parental rights, even as a buzzword, seems to be gaining more momentum than the other side of the frame, uh, the, the vulnerability of, of, of these kids. Uh, the fact that this is not necessarily about how you would parent, but about other situations and, and that, that you are necessarily not privy to, but hopefully you can have empathy for. That side of the argument seems to be losing, at least from public opinion polling, at least from like sentimentality. What needs to be done to shift the frame? What, what would you start suggesting needs to be done to make this argument uh, perhaps more representative of where the population should be versus where they are with the parental rights frame that's being applied to it across the country? I don't know if there's an easy answer to that, Zane. As you ask the question, I, I think about all of the tactics I would normally suggest when a you know a minority group is being attacked, including introducing people to the stories of these individuals, mm -hmm. having these individuals be spokespeople. But we are talking about children here, and yeah. a lot of those tactics aren't there, which is part of why, in my opinion, this is so gross, because the group is not in a position to stand up for itself. We are talking about children again here. And we are talking about the premier of Saskatchewan, the most powerful person in Saskatchewan, deciding to take this just like absolute heavy-handed approach uh, to it. And it's totally wild to me. Uh, so if anything's going to change, if any frame is going to be redone, it's going to require, uh, I think, taking it and just shifting it as little as possible to make as complete as possible an argument here, right? So maybe it's not so much yeah, we are all for parental rights. And I have the right as a parent to know that the school is looking after my kids' interests first and not the interests of the Premier of Saskatchewan. And that's what I would expect of them in any situation. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's more complicated than that. I suspect it's more complicated than that. But I, I think at this point, it's not to just try to counter it with the, the exact opposite. That's playing into the parents' mm -hmm. rights strategy mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. it's basically saying, 
no, there's a limit to parents' rights. You don't have those parents' rights. It's a little closer to what Stephen was saying, which is sort of getting to the point of complexity, maybe not as a communication strategy, say, no, you actually have responsibilities. And as the state, I might come in if I think you're, you're not doing good enough, right? But more to say, yeah, we do have rights. And one of those rights is to keep a heavy-handed government out of making absolute decisions about the education of children more generally. Carter, any, any final thoughts on this, on, on reframing uh, for, for, uh, for this camp, for this, not shouldn't say for this campaign, but I guess for the other side of this argument against the parental rights frame that seems to be winning out? Yeah, I mean, I think that this requires really significant grassroots implement, you know, engagement. Uh, you know, Mike Morrison, Richard Anderson uh, did a great job when Prentice uh, try to do stuff like this uh, in our schools. They did a Save Our Schools campaign. There are people out there that have these skills, that have the capacity to do this. And you know what? They shouldn't have to again. They should not have to dig deep and, and go through all the trauma and the horrors that, that kind of come along with this. But Scott Moe and Blaine Higgs and ultimately Danielle Smith are going to demand that they step up to the fucking plate one more fucking time. And... Uh, grassroots advocates, grassroots people just need to make shit happen because we can't have this. We cannot have ch- more children put at risk. And, and that's, that's where we are. That's absolutely where we are. We're going to put more kids into homelessness. More kids will die on our streets and uh, all in the name of a right that just really doesn't exist. Packing our bags, going to Manitoba, Carter. Ooh. Elections on Tuesday. Yeah. Public polls say that Wab Canoe and the NDP are poised to win government, although it, we hear it's quite tight, um, which means that the incumbent Manitoba PCs are behind. And Carter, they seem to have pulled out quite the ad campaign. I want to discuss one of them and then the other one next. One of them's hilarious and one of them's not so hilarious. Yeah. Let's start with the not so hilarious one, Carter. And and by not so hilarious, I mean really a a a a something I have not seen. So the leader of the Manitoba PCs, Heather Stephenson, she's launched a new campaign. It started last week. We see it um, as an ad campaign on both digital and a full page ad in the Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg Free Press. Um, it's a full page ad that says "Stand firm for health and safety reasons." The answer on the landfill dig has just has to be no. And this is on the heels of her continual opposition to searching a landfill for the remains of two indigenous women believed to have been murdered by an alleged serial killer in that landfill uh, is where their um, remains are are suspected to be. The Manitoba PCs have said for a while, they've been mealy-mouthed about it and then firmly know about it, that this is not what we want to do. They faced protests uh, in Winnipeg over, over the summer. But now, Carter, taking out an ad campaign, digital billboards that we have seen in Winnipeg, we see the full-page ad, we see digital ads about this particular thing. Carter, I'm going to go back to the same two questions. Do you see the strategy here, and is this a good strategy? Start start with that. Start off. Uh, start us off with that, and then I've got a third question on this particular one that I want to ask. Yeah, you. so the, the strategy seems to be reliant upon the idea that there are voters out there for whom the primary question of this election is, who's going to stand against the digging up of this garbage dump to try and find the human remains of two or more people? 
that that's the strategy, right? The strategic implication of doing this is saying, if we dig, you know, I am going to vote for the party that says no, right? That there are no other issues, there are no other voting questions, and I think that that's ultimately the problem. Where the reason I can't see this strategy, right? This is, um, you know, the adage: if you're explaining, you're losing. Um, they're explaining and they're losing, and you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not commenting really on the on the idea of it what i'm saying is there's no voters out there making this decision like there are no voters out there saying the group of people that decide not to do this is the group of people that i'm going to vote for it's just it's an illogical assumption and a bad strategic play um you know and, and then we get into the actual heart of the matter which is the the politics and the and the, mm-hmm. the the issue itself and and I'm just going to avoid that for now because I think that the strategy is just so stupid on its face that you know it's it's it, it, I don't want to I don't want to kind of dig into the actual issue because the 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 politics of it are just so bad on its face that um you know it's it's just impossible to imagine this making sense on any in any given level Corey, you know, a uh, federal crown indigenous minister has called it heartless. The NDP have said it's a serious mistake. Amnesty in- International said it's indefensible. Grand Chief, uh, AMC Grand Chief, has said it's it's a, showing a disregard for respecting human rights and protecting re- uh, reconciliation, promoting reconciliation, sorry. That all being said, do you see the strategy here? I mean, I, I guess... Here's the thing I will say, maybe as a preamble to all of this, like this to me is a great example of how even just two provinces over, like politics is so local, like the beats are different, the subtext is different. And I think it's pretty easy from the outside to look at this and say, well, this is insane, right? And listen, that, it's that pretty someone easy. would wage an yeah, ad campaign. Would wage a campaign yeah. in this way. And and look, I think a lot of people inside the province of Manitoba are saying the exact same thing, right? Because it just seems weird. Like this is this is what you're going to do. You're running your campaign. You're kind of presenting almost as like your ballot question. It feels like, and I don't know if I would go that far, but let's just say for fun. Well, the time. Why, why are just, you making to, this a? You just know, to, why just are you to, making this your closing yeah, argument? Yeah. Is an interesting question, right? But you know. Unpack this a little. And you'd mentioned before that the PCs were a little mealy mouth before, and now they're kind of hard out against it. Mm-hmm. The mealy mouth makes sense to me because generally, I would imagine a government being in a situation where there is a moral call to do something that is morally right, and the government saying, fuck, but that's actually really expensive and really complicated. And usually that's the part that the politician doesn't want to say out loud. But mm-hmm. they, they are now deciding that they are going to say this out loud. And so let's let's talk this through a tiny, tiny bit here, right? Please. Let's say there's two sides to this argument, right? One is there is a group of people who are saying, this is a lot of expense and effort. Like landfills are, landfills are really big, right? Like they're fucking huge. And every day they deal with a lot of garbage. They're full of garbage and uh, very hazardous. And there are no guarantees you're going to find what you're looking for. And it could be a lot of expense. It could be a lot of effort, you know? And the price tag of $184 million is, is the high-end version. I think there's one that's kind of like 60 million. Mm-hmm, I might mm-hmm. be off by 10 million or so. And, you know, going to take one to three years. I suspect the serial killer trial will be over by then. It's not over yet. I think that the next court date's in November, but, you know, three years is a long way away. So a lot of people are saying, you know, this is not likely to materially change the outcome of that particular case or, or anything like that. There's another group of people, and I would generally count myself in it, 
that says like, you know, that's, that's not the point or, or maybe even that, that is the point. Like it's a lot of expense and effort, but we will go through hell and back for justice. You know, evidence that can strengthen the case, whatever justice includes closure. It includes undoing as much of the indignity of the murders as can be undone. And the government's going to say, we are going to move heaven and earth to make sure that this kind of overarching sense of justice gets felt and found. And the mm-hmm, idea that mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, but it's going to be tough to, un- you know, go through the landfill is just, it's not very compelling, right? So the price of recovering two bodies versus like the price of the system and knowing that the system will fight like hell for you, maybe that's an uncharitable way to the other side, but that's that's kind of what it's coming down to. And I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to me because we rarely have that conversation out in the open. And I think it's been a long time since we've sort of tested that particular conversation. Obviously, the Manitoba PCs have some reason to believe that it's going to resonate with the people that they needed to resonate with to win this election. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem to go against kind of the, the built-in morality of people and the moral injustices that we tend to bring as a as just a citizenry more generally. Like, we like to believe that we never stop a police chase because the cost of the fuel was too high. And we like to believe that we wouldn't stop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a grand theft auto investigation because the investigation costs more than the car. We like to believe that, but reality is sometimes depressingly different. I just, there's a reason why public bodies tend to ignore or avoid or or push off to the side those conversations. Super fascinating. It's being brought up into the open. I'm going to try to leave that moral outrage out of it and just sort of analyze it and say, it's an interesting one. I don't know if we've seen a pitch like this anytime soon. And there are a lot of racial undertones and there's a mm-hmm. lot into it that feels pretty gross. But I've not, I've not seen the idea of like, it's not worth the cost of justice before as an argument out there in, a, in an election. I, I would be remiss on the racial undertones to, 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 to not mention that that has been a big part of the Manitoba PC's sort of case against Wab Canoe. Too right, like as, as in indigenous. Well, a lot of the ads are are pretty, yeah, pretty like, rough. They and, have and, gone, they have gone very, very not dark, but they've gone very aggressive. I think that's a fair word to use. Yeah, and so look, I think that there's another subtext I'll throw on the table here, which is, I gave kind of a charitable read as as to this here, but I think that another part of this is. There are a lot of people who see the searching of the landfill as as somewhat performative and not worth the cost that I talked about, right? And I think a bit of the subtext is you can expect more of this from Wab Canoe. You can expect performative forever. You will be digging up landfills forever. You will be doing anything like this, spending any hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. That's that's a good point. And that's and, and that's a bit of the subtext that the we and we have in. seen that version of the subtext specifically around residential school survival, uh, survi- uh, residential schools, right? Um, uh, sites, right, where 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 children make it necessarily, um, and survivors advocating. Um, that, you know, I went to school here, there's a site here, we found something, and politicians not having the reaction that they did a mere 16, 18 months ago, which was, let's do it, no matter what the cost. Um, so, fair points, Corey. Carter, I have a different question for you. Okay. The best way, I guess, to introduce this is, if the PCs lose, could this be something that has a longer-term lingering effect? This is almost taking words out of your mouth from the from the previous segment, Right maybe akin to a barbaric cultural practices where if you're a political observer, you know 
You could go be like, yeah, 2015 Harper campaign. Like, you you could pretty easily do that. Do you feel like stand firm, the landfill dig, if the PCs lose here, this could have significantly longer-term effects for, for a party here? Or do you feel like we're, we are in a very different sort of cultural, political space that you do whatever it is to get elected? If you win, all is forgotten. If you lost, there's no lingering side effects. You just come back four years later as a new thing. Talk to me about that. And I'm not saying this is a perfect comparison because we don't even, we're not even at Tuesday yet. We don't even know the outcome. We don't even, we're, yeah. to Corey's point, we're not even on the ground. So I'm now kind of trying to take this and, and maybe use it as an example to talk about this broader concept of lingering effects. Give me your thoughts on that first, Carter, and then you, Corey. <sighs> I mean, what we want is we want there to be a cost to uh, a political party for taking an action that is not overly popular, right? We want there to be a situation like with Jim Prentice when he lost in 2015, when the stink of the Bill 10 uh, debacle kind of hangs in the air around the party for a long time. Except it doesn't often work that way. Jim Prentice is kind of the exception, not the rule. You know, instead what we see is politicians say what they say, and sometimes what they say and sometimes what they do is deeply offensive. And it still works, right? Or Or if it doesn't work, um, we don't have the memory for it. And part of the reason is most of the time when we make these, these aren't, these aren't slips. These are ideas that fit into our overall zeitgeist. This is who we are as a, as a people. We are, of course, deeply mm-hmm. flawed as individuals. We're deeply flawed as a society. We have inherent racism uh, that has existed um, from the beginning of time and shall exist, sadly, f- until the end of time, one suspects, given our kind of natural natural tendencies towards in-group and out-group behaviors. Um, this racism, this this when we play to the worst of ourselves, when we play to the worst of our society, all too often that worst in society is just it's if we're not rewarded necessarily, we certainly aren't punished. And I suspect uh, much in the same way that, you know, the conservatives, you know, the conservatives haven't been losing since uh, 2015 or whatever the year was that Harper did it uh, um, because of the cultural barbaric, you know, barbaric practices hotline. They've been losing because of a system, you know, a series of reasons Um, and now it would appear with through Pierre Polyev that even some of the things that, that we may have thought were indefensible before he's coming back and rephrasing them at a different time. And all of a sudden they become more palatable. So no, I don't think that the stink stays. I think the stink sadly is removed because we as imperfect people, um, you know, we were, we reflect this sometimes we are more racist than we should be. We are more bigoted than we should be. And we have a memory of a gnat. Oh, yeah, I bring up barbaric cultural practices because it was, what, 2021 that, that Tim Upple and others apologized on the conservative benches for their role in those policies in that campaign sort of promise that, that you know, that lingering effect, that sort of cultural sort of like, I know what that word or that phrase means lingered with the conservatives. Yeah. Now, to Carter's point, did it have a political effect? Maybe, maybe not. But I'm curious from your perspective, not to predict if we're headed there with that, because that could be a discussion after Tuesday, uh, perhaps. But your your thoughts on the world we live in, whether 
that exists anymore. That that a, a loss on terms that you're like, that was beyond the pale, and you're now going to pay a po- political cost for that even after uh, an election is, is over. What do you think? Well, I just generally don't believe that these things stick to parties all that much. Individual actors within parties sometimes have to wear it for a little bit longer. But one of the virtues and vices of our system is we get to put out the garbage with the past leader. And everybody can Mm. blame Stephenson for everything that happened here if she loses. We don't know. I I mean, the the polls do show the NDP in the lead, but not by like a a massive amount. Uh. You know, it's certainly possible we wake up Wednesday to a a PC government again, right? Look, when, when you lose, there will always be a group that says we lost because of X. And there will always be a group that says we lost because we didn't go far enough with X. And so... I have no doubt that a lot of people will say that this was a this was a gross campaign. What was she doing? This was a mistake. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I suspect that will be the majority of the PZs if she loses. If she wins, everybody's going to be like, masterfully played. Well done. You know, and, and just watch everybody run back. There will, however, be a group of people who say otherwise, uh, you know, and say the problem was didn't go far enough. It wasn't overt enough with it. Didn't actually say what she meant. Was talking in code. Should have said it more. Mm-hmm. Out, right. And so I guess we'll have to wait and see just how screwed we are. As this, by the way, super uplifting episode so yeah, far. It's been really I good. Say, oh, I think I've nailed it. Yeah. And now we've got a, a flight cancellation to Ottawa, so we can't even get to the good stuff, Carter. <laughs> so that's. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is what happens when we travel with our sponsor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I was going to book the venue too. Hey, Fuck. They're, they're very good at the uh, at the prairie tour. Yeah, uh, they let us down mm-hmm. at certain points. Yeah. Anyhow, I think um, I, I think that that risk is often overblown, um, and we just don't live in a world of such severe consequence. Let's put it this way: Daniel Smith's not owning the stuff that Daniel Smith did before the election, let alone the no, stuff no, and, that and Jason I, Kenny did. I remember you Daniel guys Smith. telling me that, right? I came off the heels of that election, and I was like, okay, yeah, but now how do we hold her accountable for all the crazy poppy Nazi stuff? And and, and today people are like, give me the reference point. What the fuck are you talking about? That was like, I don't even remember, right? It's over. She won. It's done. Like, done with, right? Like, you're not going to be able to wage that attack again. You're, it's And if you do, it's just wasted energy. And, and to be clear then, Carter, mm-hmm. to, to round out this point by Corey, if she wins on Tuesday, does she pay any price for this? Like, I, I know the answer, but I just want you to say it to me and, and tell me, I have to be the like, one explain it, right? Why don't we make Corey say yeah, it? Yeah, say it. Corey has to say, say it. it. Well, no, I mean, say it. Does no, she pay any price for no, this? No, she doesn't. Because winning absolves one of all sins. And that is the nature of our system right now. You know, you... You say what you need to say to win. Uh, it doesn't need to be true. doesn't need to be f- something you follow. I mean, geez, you know, Danielle Smith told us that the pension issue wasn't going to come back up. Oh, just kidding. Um, you know, like, you when you win uh, in our system right now, you get a carte blanche opportunity to rewrite history. And we don't hold anybody to account. So it we don't hold them to what they campaigned on. We don't hold them to you know, what they said, what they meant, what they, you know, none of that happens. So if she wins, you know, maybe she takes it as a mandate. Maybe she doesn't, you know, but for the most part, this is, uh, this is, you know, if she wins, the PCs get to rewrite their story any way, any way that they want.
We're going to have to leave that there, Carter. You know, I did say that we have a flight delay, uh, so we're not going to be able to make it. Uh, sorry, flight flight cancellation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they don't delay. delay. I mean, every delay is a cancellation, Flair Airlines. Uh, Carter, um, <laughs> it is an eventual cancellation. I don't know any delay that they've... People can prove me wrong. But Carter, we're not going to make it to Ottawa, and we're not going to make it to Washington, D.C., uh, unless folks want to go to the Patreon, because Carter, we have found... We have found a high-quality, reliable airline to take us to the Patreon, to take us to Washington, to take us to Ottawa. Uh, that will be, of course, exclusively on the Patreon. I feel like a, I feel like a, a salesman oh, for really it. Good. Am I doing a good job selling this? <laughs> yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel I like mean, people, people can know when it's not my idea. Yeah. And yeah. This, is, yeah. this, is, this is not my idea. But we have a lot to discuss in Ottawa. Justin Trudeau, the the fallout from the the Nazi comment uh, from the from the Nazi uh, sort of whatever you want to yeah, call they... it, the apology, the speaker strategy, and I want to go down south to Washington D.C. to talk about what just happened with the uh, avoiding of the government shutdown and the fallout on, on Kevin McCarthy and the Democratic strategy. What the Dems need to do in the House there. There's some interesting politics that might be at play. In the next 48 hours, one might oh, yeah. say. Yeah, we uh, might inter- be proven. We might yeah, make yeah. some bad predictions tonight. No, that's going no, to be exciting. That. that is all going to be on the Patreon strategy, patreon.com. But let's move it on to the over, under, and the lightning round. Stephen Carter, we do this oh, for you. Oh, we do? Okay. Right? We, yeah, yeah. Even when we're, we're staying up okay. late uh, and we're finding alternative travel arrangements, we do this for you. Carter, <laughs> your one-line strategy for the NDP heading into Election Day on Tuesday. We record on Sunday. There's not much you can do. Your one-line, your one-word, your one-headline strategy for the NDP in Manitoba heading into Tuesday. Uh, get out the vote. Uh, work, work, work. This is this is the base uh, baseline of what politics is all about, is getting the people who said that they're going to vote for you out to vote for you. Uh, make sure that everybody understands that there is a... Um, there is a chance that you could lose if they don't participate. Corey, your one-line strategy for the Manitoba uh, NDP uh, heading into Tuesday's election. There's no better advice at this time in election than what Carter's already given. So I'm just going to say it better. Hey. We'll say it better. Vote. Do, do it, say it better. Okay. That's not okay. better. Pretty, well, I, I said it's shorter. I think it's better. I think you said it's shorter, though. I think I, don't think think you think said it's it identical. I think, I think, I did I think it was identical, his, personally. His inflection was different. It was It was different, and it cost him. Corey, I'm going to stick with you on this. 10 million bucks, tell the feds, what would you structure as a campaign? This is not an over-under lightning round question, but we I didn't actually get to ask you guys this, right? What would the alternative be? If you had this 7.5 to $10 million spend, give me the framework of a, of a campaign of what you would think. Okay, well, so is my goal to actually make the feds change their mind, or is the goal a domestic political bump? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually let you choose the goal, but I, I, if I were to choose it, it would be the latter. Okay. Well, because I, dip- I think we all believe it is the latter. Like, yeah, yeah, for I, I sure. think we all believe it's cased in the the Fed thing, but we think we think all think it's the latter. So I actually don't know that they're too far off of what's probably optimal for this. You got a ten. Let's say it's a ten million dollars spend. I would make most of it in the province of Alberta. Uh, some of that would be geographically targeted. Some of that would be demographically targeted to to groups that we just know happen to be much more proportional in Alberta. But it would have the upshot of about eighty percent of the spend being in the province of Alberta. And uh, then I would have some showy PR pieces in downtown Ottawa, downtown Toronto, downtown Vancouver. So people felt the nationalness of it so that we could then internally talk about how we have a national campaign. Mm -hmm. I would have a couple of pieces in French coming out as a sort of a sustaining PR strategy in the next week or two. So all of a sudden in downtown Montreal, 
we're talking a bit about this. Now, obviously, the challenge there is they don't really use gas at all, right? Uh, so you're going to need to kind of create the, the local Quebec flavor. But this is your chance also to just change the creative a little bit and say, like this, you know, Ottawa wants to come into our backyards and tell us how to run a provincial industry. Tell the feds you don't think Ottawa should come into the backyards of provinces and run a provincial industry and run something like that. That also puts Ottawa on blast a little bit that you are um, you are willing to expand and extend this campaign in interesting ways. And uh, and then, yeah, then just focus that money in Alberta, making sure everybody in Alberta knows you are trying to, uh, you know, wreck Justin Trudeau like a cheap pinata. Carter, 10 million bucks. Let's say the goal is the one that we've just talked about. Uh, boost your, your cred in Alberta. What do you do differently? What do you do the same as, as to what Corey's put on? I would just simply not do the tell the feds part. I would just do a, a straight cost of living. This is going to cost more. We, we can't afford it. And uh, ignore the whole advocacy piece. Just do a straight... Ignore the whole send a letter piece? I think that's a mistake. I I think part of how you sell the cost to Albertans is the advocacy. That's the call to action. That's the reason you're advertising. I think that they believe that this needs to happen anyway. So you just go out and you just do it. And you don't give give your other side any opportunity to see that it's negative. What's your call to action then, Carter? I don't have a call to action. You just do a straight brand straight awareness. Brand campaign. awareness. We're getting targeted. We are getting screwed, and and Justin Trudeau is costing you more money. Uh, you gotta. Ha- I, I. This will not be a lightning round if we go down this road any further. Interesting thoughts, Carter. Better thoughts than yours, what? I think. Is, no, is when you I say interesting like that, ever... you seem to. You be... guys, get, you. Why do you think I have to stick to format? <laughs> why does it need a call to action, Corey? Like you, what you you do you literally were in charge of green lighting these campaigns. If Carter came to you with that pitch. What would your retort be if, if he was a junior, which he would be, uh, in your office? Uh, yeah, if he came to you with that, a couple pitch, layers well. down, I'd be like, "Who are you? Who do you want?" <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, I would say this is public money, and you don't get to do that. But that's maybe more of a moral. I mean, you, I, what's the purpose of the ad? What's the purpose? Run that ad. Give me. I would ask the person who pitched this to me to say, "Okay, give me." Oh, this he's script. right here. Give me the thirty seconds. Here's the thirty second pitch. Give me the full thirty second script. The, the, all of Canada believes that that uh, cost of living is too high. They just need to understand that the cost of energy is too high, and the reason that the cost of energy is too high is Justin Trudeau. That's all I need. I need them to know where to point the finger. That's not a script. I don't need a script. What's the script? The script. You do. My point I'm making, Carter, is the script does not work without a call. You to don't action. need a call to action. You need no. a call to you action. You could, it could, what if it, no, no let, let me be on Carter's team for a second. What if it just said, visit like. To learn more? Tr- Tr- Trudeau's fucking you to, .ca to learn more or whatever. That's fine. But then what's on Trudeau's fucking you .ca? The cost of gas is too high. It's just. The cost of electricity is too high. It's the ad. The ad is just a fucking, the, the, the ad no, on the website <laughs> tells you to visit the website. Are we going to have to buy this domain now? That's. Uh, Trudeau's fucking you? <laughs> no. Okay. Are you sure good. it's not taken? Oh, no. Well. I think we bought it before. <laughs> I don't think it works. I think, you, I think you're going to run into creative problems. I oh, think you're going to run into justification problems. You're going to be creating a broadside that's absolutely unnecessary because all you needed to do was spend two minutes the, to the think of a call to The problem is action. that now you're going to be reinforcing just fine. how fucking weak you are. You're going to be showing everybody how weak you are. Congratulations. That's not that is that's, the problem. The problem is that no one's going to go to this fucking site and fill in the no, data. 
No, you know what? That's no showing the feds how weak you are. No one's going to do it. The feds might already know that. And if you're actually not trying to change the policy, that's irrelevant. You're talking about domestic oh, politics. So you've already relevant. lost focus on the goals, Mr. Oh, Carter. Oh, my God. Who did you say you reported to at CPE? If I ever worked oh, for CPE, I would your manager. be so devastated that my career had taken such a dive. <laughs> that's good it's gonna be playing in the halls of cpe tomorrow that's good just yeah. make it the mandatory government ringtone hey Corey, i'm gonna start the last one with you carter predicted this i know his take i want to get your take the 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 gender pronoun policy that we are seeing play out in new brunswick that we've seen flirtations within ontario that is clearly uh trying to be fast-tracked in saskatchewan will we see it here in alberta yes or no I mean, you will see people try to push for it. I don't actually believe you'll see it. No, I just don't believe it's our particular brand of conservatism. There have been times we've flirted with this social conservatism in recent history. Obviously, uh, you know, same-sex marriage comes to mind in the early 2000s. But Alberta's not what you think it is. I guarantee you, if you're outside of the province of Alberta, this is an idiosyncratic place. This is like one of the largest collections of atheists in the country, as well as one of the largest collections of fundamentalists. And, you know, the balance of power does not live with social conservatism here. It, it rests with different type of conservatism. Write it down. I'm, it's I'm going to happen. I'm, Write it down. I have this you on the record. This is better There's than my Jeb Bush here. prediction right here. Write there the is a follow-up conversation. a follow-up conversation on this that I want to pick up, Carter. We're going to do it because we've got a long via rail to Ottawa. Um, so that's the alternative <laughs> that I found. Um, we're going to pick that up on the Patreon strategist, patreon.com. But for now, we'll leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1256 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Velge. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we'll see you next time. Hey, do you think on the non-paid version of this um, episode, it started with an ad from the provincial government?